Hi, Ralph. Hello, Jeremy. Long time no see. I know. This is Don't Judge Me. I'm Ralph Van Dyke, and today I'm talking to Jeremy Cragen, Global Chief Creative Officer of An Ocean Worldwide. Quite coincidentally, I'm recording this intro on May 7th, Jeremy's birthday. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Jeremy is testimony to proving that enjoying your work is the key to keeping the standards high. You know you're going to have a laugh if you see Jeremy's name on the jury. He's presided over many iconic campaigns, most famously for VW during his time at DDB London. Needless to say, he has an eye for great work and the ability to know when not to interfere. I caught up with him at a rare moment when he's not jetting to one of InOcean's growing number of outposts around the world. And during our chat, he spoke candidly about the benefits of starting his career at a bad agency. Very revealing. Anyway, enjoy Jeremy Cragen. I know I did. We're going to start off nice and gentle, but we're going to move on to some more sort of tricky ones, which you're, you're allowed to pass on occasionally. Um, right. So start off <laughs> with your, your name, your rank, and your serial number, your rank being your position, and your serial number being your age. They ask that. They want me to find... My they, age? They, yeah, I know. Shh. You can pass on that one too if you really okay. want. No, that's fine. Okay. My name is uh, Jeremy Cragen, and I'm the Global Chief Creative Officer of InOcean Worldwide. And my age is 55 years old. Lovely. So what does your typical day look like? <laughs> I don't have a typical day. <laughs> um, it's It involves a lot of travel. I travel, literally, I'm on an aeroplane every week of the year. Um, and in fact, next week, I might not be travelling because um, there seems to be... I was going to go to Berlin, but I can't get a hotel room <laughs> uh, because there's a big... Uh, consumer electronic conference there so um brilliant so uh, so yeah so this is great it's a, a, a week at home but working from home so it, it varies really because wherever i am in the world there's one office that's awake <laughs> so mm. it tends to do calls so like when i'm in london um it's calls when i wake up to korea and then to sydney and then when i go to bed it's calls to uh sort of uh, the west coast of LA um, so and then in, in between we have Europe and a little bit of India and a little bit of Toronto so those um, are kind of the major offices we've got about 23 uh, around the world um, but I kind of concentrate on, on what I would say is like the, the big six mm. um, and that's enough and then you know sort of like so Berlin is probably I would say my, my home office as such because yeah. it's something that we set up a year ago, the London office is small, um, and I haven't been there for quite a while. I'm ashamed to admit because there's some great people working there. But I honestly, I normally fly on a Monday and I get home on a Friday, um, and then I get a weekend at home sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a kind of a, a, a typical day because when I'm in a country in an office, let's say like Sydney, then I'll be meeting clients, meeting. Uh, you know, so the creative teams, I, I still like to keep that link in this lofty position and title that I have, but I still really like to mix and chat to the creatives, no matter yeah. what their um, experience is. And, you know, so two or three days in, a, it, in an office seems to be enough. And then I don't want to be like that sort of chief creative officer that's overlooking the ECD or creative officer, chief creative officer of that office shoulders the whole time and that, I always tell everybody that they can, you know, treat me as 
close or as far away as, mm. as they want because it, as long as the work's good, then there's no need for me to sort of like pester them. What would be the worst part of your job? Weirdly, so far, the travel hasn't isn't so bad actually sitting on an aeroplane. I mean, you know, but the jet lag, that's the one. It's... Um, mm. it, it, that That's hard. Like, when I do a trip to, let's say... Seoul from London, which is eight hours ahead of us. Then I come back to London. Then I go to LA, which is eight hours behind us. You end up like with a 16 hour time difference, which kind of yeah. completely throws you. So I kind of tend to go to bed a bit earlier than I used to. And when I wake up, I don't fight it. I kind of, I'm, I'm happy to do some work at four in the morning if, if need be. This, as I said, there will be an office that's awake to, to, to talk to. A big part of your job is recruitment. And by the time it gets to you, you're looking at recruiting creative directors. So what, what do you think, what do you look for in an up-and-coming creative director? And I guess what's changed in, in your criteria from where it was at DDB 10 years ago? Obviously, it's much easier hiring creative teams because you kind of, you just need to look at their work and look at their personality and go, are they going to fit in? Um, when you're looking at a creative director, um, it's... It's it's much tougher actually because I think um, you know I, I've learned from 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 a couple of I wouldn't say errors as such because I think there's been some very difficult jobs for people but you know I think it, it's it's good to research people a lot more than maybe I did initially the people as opposed to the work yeah because the work I mean. <laughs> It's funny because you can interview three different people and they'd they're all so, so sometimes have the same piece of work on their on their reel. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and that's because one of them may be in the group head, one of them may be the ECD, and one of them may be in the you know the group creative director. And it's, success has many fathers. Exactly, exactly, and, uh, <laughs> and failure has few. Mm. But uh, so it it's. I, I kind of still follow the, the, the kind of rules I had at, at, at DDB, which was like, do I want to spend some time with this person? Especially if I'm going to be flying halfway across the, the world and saying, okay, away from my family, I've got to go out for dinner with this person. Yeah. Got to, you know, be able to have honest conversations with them and, and feel that also I can trust them. So th- those those kind of like rules still, still apply. Um, mm. And... And it's, it's it's then you start looking at okay, do I feel that they have presence that they can you know they'll develop trust from the client um, that that they're going to develop kind of like leadership uh, qualities for the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I was once given a great piece of advice by an old CEO about saying that you know when I was ECD, he said, remember, Jeremy, you're not just the head of the creative department, you're the creative head of the agency. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, t- I tell everybody that, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that I hire because I think it's a really, really good piece of advice. Leading on from that, what kind of work do you like to see from the next generation of creative directors or creative teams? You know what? It just depends on the office and the size of the office. I mean, and, and uh, what person that you're trying to bring in so I'm, I'm going to use Steve Jackson as an example of the guy that is running our Sydney office I know him well I, I had a very good recommendation from Toby Talbot who he used to work under at, uh, at, at the DDB in Sydney yeah. and said that this guy is ready to make the next move Yeah. and so I met up with Steve and I just instantly liked him and I think we instantly got on well and I just said to him look no pressure I know Inotion is 
is a difficult place to, to move to at the moment, but you know, I have this vision for it. And he kind of like felt that he wanted to, you know, sort of like realize that vision too. Yeah. So um, we just got, I mean, it, it took a, a few months to sort of persuade him to come over. And, and he is one of the people that I probably talk to the most and he shares the most work with me. Yeah. But what he has is that just that hunger. Mm. And I know, I know the clients love him. He's, I've been in rooms when um, I've seen him presenting. He's a great presenter. Um, and he's very trustworthy. And he is trying to do the best for the client rather than just for himself, which yeah. is, I think, you know, the, the sad thing is, I think about, I know we'll talk about awards later, but probably the majority of the stuff that wins awards these days it's not actually briefs from clients it's yeah. briefs from agencies now I don't mind proactive because I don't think that is scam but and I think you have to go out and find those um, you know those projects yourself uh, these days and I, and I will always encourage every, everybody around the world to do that but it's like um, what he was doing is just saying no I'm going to get I'm going to get the proper work and, and start getting you know a proper brand voice for both Hyundai and Kia before we then can find that time to go off and go and do these proactive projects. So yeah. that, that, that to me is, is kind of like what we should be, you know, that's the real part of our job. And I guess that's a maturity thing as well within the creative department and, and within the agency, seeing the people who are closer to the client, who, have, who understand the uh, requirements or the, the motivation or what, what you know, what totally. the client is being judged on and, and, and understanding that that's actually your, that is your job. That's right. And, and, and that's when you gain trust from a client. Yeah. And that's when they start to buy braver work because yeah. they trust and they believe in you. And that yeah. was what we did at DDB on Volkswagen. You know, the stuff that won Grand Prix, it was the stuff that everybody saw. It wasn't just the stuff that the guys on a jury saw. So On DDB and Volkswagen, w- would you say mm. that that would be your proudest work? Or is there a specific piece of work that you hold up as going yep that when I look back on my career as a piece of work that I was in integral and or I conceived myself this is this is the proudest piece of work what what would that be yeah obviously I'm very proud for the time spent on Volkswagen and again you know a a great great client um it's funny I I did a talk in in New Zealand few years ago and I did like a top 10 of, of, of the Volkswagen work that I'd either I'd been involved with either as a creative director or as a writer and and I said to them at the beginning I just said this order could probably change next week <laughs> or yeah. something could drop out and something could come back in because I think what I'm most proudest of on is the consistency that we we mm. develop and, and I think consistency is one of the hardest things to achieve in this business um, so, but, you know, as a writer, I would say my favourite piece of work that I did was a, a film I did with Jonathan Glazer called Protection, which was the oh, pilot. Yes. And that, yeah, yeah. that was in 1996, can you believe yeah. that thing? No, seven, 1997. Um, and then there was another one I did with Frank Budgen called UFO, which was um, a lot of fun and, you know, bless Frank, you know, yeah. he was a, just a, a, another a genius. Tell us what it was you saw. Well... Just starting to close up for the night, I guess, and uh, all of a sudden these real bright lights just seem to come out of nowhere. Man, it's moving and then, as a creative director, I would say there were two pieces. One was the integrated campaign for golf called Night Drive. And all the people of the lulled and dumbfound town are sleeping now. 
which was, you know, a really terrible brief to, you know, just saying, oh, remind people that the, that the Golf is good to drive. And then the creative team, Sam and Shish, came up with this amazing idea called Night Drive. And we shot it in LA with no Murrow and stuff. Uh, so that was good. And then the other one that's probably classic is the Singing in the Rain for the Golf uh, GTI. Yeah, no, that's a, a personal favourite, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I just thought that was just, you know... Uh, iconic, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, Britain's Got Talent. About five years later, the kid that won it was re- <laughs> replicating that dance move from, you know, Singing in the Rain in the yeah. modern sort of like hip hop style. And I'm thinking, now that <laughs> that is work that you know resonates. That you know, five years later or three years later, I don't remember the exact time. But. So that that's th- those would be my kind of like my my top four. <laughs> I love the fact that you've differentiated the role you play as a creative versus a creative director i think that it's it's uh that that resonates too for me because right. you know you, you you have a an input as a creative director and yeah. you you steer an idea and, and a team to getting more out of the germ of their idea but also that that's a very different skill set to when you're Conceiving it from nothing, from a brief and from a lonely, you know... Uh, Blank sheet of paper, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about work that still haunts you to this day? That that one... <laughs> it sounds like you've got an answer to this. Um, no, I haven't. Because oh, I thought... I, I, no, no, I tell you, because I've got... There's probably too many. <laughs> I, you know... I, I Yes, I have a few that, you know... I mean, certainly very early on in my career, which is fine, because I think when you're, you know, in your yeah. early 20s, you can afford to make mistakes. And actually, I started in a pretty bad agency um, called Ted Bates, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it doesn't exist anymore, no, uh, suffice it. to say. But, but the great thing was, is that that's a place where you can make your mistakes and, mm. and actually, you know, learn and get away with it. Whereas... From your BMPs and your BBHs and your CDPs of the day, you know, you you screwed up there and you were, you know, <laughs> you, you probably wouldn't have lasted that long. No. So it was, it was quite quite good to have that. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are a few. And and if uh, in Vegas anybody asks me, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and <laughs> say it in, in private rather than in public. Because I were know you making your goof. mistakes in, in print or in TV ads? Was it was there a big budget mistake? <laughs> That you think it was just like, oh no, this was okay, this is okay. It's a full page press ad. It appeared once and I'm, I'll move on. Hopefully, no one will ever remember it. Yeah, I, I think print is okay. You know, you can get away with it. I think it's, I think it's film is the mm. worst. And I think that there was one that actually ended up being a cinema commercial. And I avoided going to the cinema for about six months, just in case <laughs> I went, I sat there and then heard somebody behind me going, who the fuck did that? <laughs> so, uh, excuse my language. Yeah, uh, no, you no, sink, it is. sink down under the bottom of your chair. Yeah. yeah, so I just thought it's far better just to avoid going to the cinema. <laughs> Very wise. And what if you, could, if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice when you were first starting out in, the, in those mm. formative years at Ted Bates, mm. what would be the bit of advice you would have you would give yourself today? Don't panic. I think mm. um, there was that feeling that when me and my art director arrived at Bates, it was like, "What have we done? How are we going to get out?" <laughs> and almost immediately, within a month, we had our, our book out again. 
Uh, and it was very funny because people would ju- judge our book very differently because we were employed as opposed to we were kind of like students. Uh, and so they were much tougher on it, which was interesting. Actually, we learned to kind of go, okay, well, look, let's make the most of this. Um, and, you know, take every brief as an opportunity. Um, but at the beginning, it was just like, oh, it, it was just, we were just too negative. So I would say, if I could give myself advice back then, it would be, don't be cynical and don't be negative. Right. Trust your first instincts and not yeah. edit. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the creative director's role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And that was like the way that Dave Trott in the old days would just get all his juniors just to write so much <laughs> and yeah. just say, look, I'll be the judge. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are some, you know, obviously the more senior you get, the, I think the more you can edit because you can't have 20 teams showing you 200 pieces of work a day. Mm, yeah, right. But, um, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I think sometimes you, you don't know when, when, you're, when you're a bit younger just how good maybe your idea is or just, you know, the potential of it. You know, it's one line that's in there that you think, oh, that could, that, that, that's your idea, not, not the rest of it. So. Mm. And if you were starting out today, would you still want a, a job in advertising? Well, interestingly, my, my nephew is, is on placement at, at, at BBH at the moment, and, you know, he's loving it. And, yeah. and seeing his enthusiasm makes me feel, okay, yeah, well, maybe I, I, I still would. It's a very different business. But every, every generation goes, oh, it's not as good as the last generation. I mean, when I started in the 80s, it was like, oh, you should have been here in the 70s. And yeah. those <laughs> older guys were saying, you should have been here in the 60s. And, yeah. You know, it, you know I, I, think, I think there's a little less fun um, than, than there used to be. And I think that was the, the joy of, I think, having fun and enjoying your job and not being so serious can show your work, you know, mm. as opposed to wearing a hair shirt when you go into work and mm-hmm. thinking... Mm. You know, okay, no, I have to do a good ad today or, you know, a good idea. But if you weren't in advertising then, if you didn't fall into that world, what do you think you'd be doing? Well, originally I wanted to be an actor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But soon realised when I failed at getting into a number of drama schools that I was wasting my time. Right. Um, And then I remember a a friend of mine saying, oh, you'd be good in advertising. I was like, only because I loved advertising as a, you know, as a kid. Um, And I I used to sort of like be able to recite John Webster's ads and amazing got to work with him. But but I think, you know, that's what I wanted to do. If I I did something now, it would be something to do with the travel business, (laughs) Mm -hmm. weirdly, even though I've spent, you know, every every week on a plane. uh, You and Martin Sorrell. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. yes. I still haven't bumped into him, but I think he's probably in first class, not business. But (laughs) But, uh, Okay, uh, something in travel. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, or, or open up a little bijou uh, kind of Finca hotel in in, uh, in Ibiza. It wouldn't like be bijou. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to get somebody to rub it, and I would just go around pouring glasses of. You know, exactly car. right. Yeah, get Kim. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Kim. Yes. Hmm. Let's talk specifically about Leah. Why do you think winning a Leah is valuable and uh, as an award show? And what makes it worthy of our entry fee, do you think? I tell you, I honestly believe it's the hardest award to win. And I know that a lot of uh, award shows um, will say, you know, hard, hard to win. But I... I genuinely believe it is, and I think anybody who sat in on the, you know, from the liaison 
uh, groups have, have sat in on the juries will, will suddenly realise, and that's the reason why we did it, is is to to realise the interrogation that a piece of work goes through. And I think there's work that wins gold in Cannes, that wins bronze at Lear. Yeah. And that's not us just being asses because we're going, oh, we just want to make, you know, Cannes look silly. There's, there's none of that. It's just, you know, we, we're kind of going... There's a there's a real value to this, um, mm. and 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 and, it, and it's much tougher. And I and I honestly think the juries are better. And I'm not just saying that because I've been with most of them, but um, I, I I really respect everybody. Now you know this year I'm I'm kind of when I saw the the jury lineup on, on my jury, I was just like, this is amazing, mm. amazing. Uh, most people who I know and, and have worked with, and a few I haven't, but I know of their work, and it's just. You know, it's just going to be great to sit in a room for, for three or four days with these people. It is more of a concentrated jury, right? I mean, it's, it's, there's no bigging up the numbers or, you know, filling, filling it up with the equal number of no. networks and, and political motivations. It's like, well, who's, who's no. doing the best work and how can we get them on the jury? It's, it's hard to get on the jury because there's, a, uh, there's a, you know, an expectation that you are at the top of your game and uh, that's the only reason you've been selected to be there. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. Um, and, and I think I think obviously being in Vegas, it probably gives it a false impression to anybody who's not judged on the show that we're just all out until, you know, five in the morning, and, and uh, which sometimes we are high haste mm. in the bed. But the work gets the utmost respect. Um, and, you know, everybody is... is, is Clear, clear as daylight. You know, when when we start judging in the morning, and you know, and it is about respecting the work, respecting the money that people have paid to, to to enter the show. When you're judging and when you're leading a jury, do you have a criteria that you uh, or, or a, uh, an analogy that you use when des- when describing the difference between Grand Prix gold and silver and bronze? Is there a is there a simple kind of um, explanation that you just remind your 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 jurors to look out for? Not really. I think what happens most years is that you just find that the work when you, it's always funny judging because at the beginning you think, God, what a terrible year, and then actually when you see the shortlist, you go, Oh, it's not so bad, and then when you see the top scoring marks, you think, Actually, mm. this is a very good year. And the golds, bronzes, and silvers, just and and, and grand prix are kind of like fall into place I mean yeah. one of the things that I use as criteria when, when I'm when I'm a, sort of like a jury head is is never be afraid to change your mind it's not a sign of weakness because I, I believe that if you're on an international show you have to you know encompass lots of different mm. cultures from around the world and there are certain things that you might not get, especially when work that's coming out of maybe Thailand or India. Yeah. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to have a, a, a jury member who's from that, and you, I kind of encourage those people to, to, to big up culturally significant pieces of work, mm. because otherwise you just end up with this kind of bland kind of work that's just aimed at advertising juries and not yeah. actually, you know, moving brands forward in, 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 in that in their own cultures but so therefore you know you might just go oh I hate this idea but only because you don't necessarily understand it, it. so yeah. so if you suddenly go oh I don't like this idea and then your hand goes up for a goal I always go oh well done <laughs> you know yeah. it's like that and that's obviously the power of persuasion from other 
juries um, and there are some people that are stubborn and they won't move and that's fair enough I mean mm. there's enough people in that in that room but. but that's that's part of why we do it right I mean that's there has to be something in it for us selfishly when yeah. we judge yeah. and I get exposed to the best work globally for that one week and that you know lifts my game I know what the trends are and I can hear what yeah. the, the, the common faults are and and, and but also, like you said, you just get to get an appreciation and an empathy about the, the, the fact that the Japanese ads are going to be twice as long as the <laughs> American ones. But that's yeah. just a cultural difference. It's not that it's, yeah. you know, it, it, yes, it's, it takes more time. It's slower in your world, but it's, it's appropriate for that market. So you learn that. And then, then when you're given a brief in your market, you think, well, actually, maybe we can we can look at a doubling the length of our ad just to stand out, and you learn, and your own criteria changes just through being in those environments. So, I mean, it's it's hugely beneficial for a creative to be in that environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. You always come away kind of recharged, and I, I think sometimes it's quite good not to judge too many shows a year. I mean, I limit it now to two max. Because mm. otherwise you just still keep seeing the same stuff and then yeah, it actually yeah. becomes quite boring. But, yeah. you know, there's always some new, new work to see, so it's great. Do you have, a, like, a story, a bizarre judging experience or a memorable one that you just shake your head, look back at today and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. Yes, yes. And that just completely contradicts what I just said about being good in <laughs> Vegas. So... All I can say is don't hang out with Kim Shaw when you're um, out in Vegas because he's a journalist and who can go to bed um, That's a at any time. Name check in this one podcast, but yeah, carry on. I know, I know. So one night, he and I just decided to gamble, and then it came to about three o'clock, and then it was four o'clock, and then it was five o'clock, and then all these characters were just coming up to the table. A couple who had just got married a nurse and you know just just it was just the most amazing experience it got to like five o'clock and just said well look we've got to be up in two hours let's just go through the whole night <laughs> so we ended up and Marcelo Serpa was the chairman of the, <laughs> the jury mm. uh, and I was doing print then again and we turned up at breakfast Kim and I with a full glass of red wine <laughs> and a nurse and a nurse <laughs> what <laughs> so just, uh, yeah and we brought her along yes right, so, so we brought her okay. along yeah. so we sit down at the jury table and he looked at Kim and just put his head in his hands and said Kim what have you done <laughs> anyway I managed to last the day judging and gone sort of slightly delirious by the end of the day but uh that was a bit of a one, like, going, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. I did have a little half-an-hour kip at lunchtime, but that was about it. <laughs> Well-deserved. Okay, it's amazing. Power nap. Yes. Okay, that's good. Okay, now, this is a quick-fire round, and you haven't been given yeah. any of these questions. You're allowed to pass right. on two of the answers. Right, how many are you giving me, then? Eight. Eight, okay. Right, okay. Right, right. So, uh, I'm going to start easy again. Do you keep a portfolio, and if so, what's in it? No, I don't. Okay. What would you say to your kids, nephews, or nieces if they wanted to work in advertising? Think about it. Okay. <laughs> How many people have you fired? Zero to ten, ten to twenty, twenty plus. Uh, ten to twenty, I should think. Have you Horrible ever had job? I uh, know. Uh, no, no, it's the worst part of every yeah. every every job. Um, yeah. Have you ever had to step on or step over anyone to get where you are today? No. Mm. 
right? Uh, how often do you conceive or actually write ads these days? If I have an idea, I'll give it to somebody and say, you can do this what you like. So, but I, I wouldn't, I don't sit and take a brief. But I, yeah. I obviously, it's natural to come up with ide- ideas. So it's more proactive as opposed to, here's the brief, it's been sent to yeah, you. Yeah, if, if I see a brief and we're talking about something, I go, I came up with this thought last night, you know, it, here it is, or here's a, a you know, a, an end line. I wouldn't write, you know, a, I have written a script and I, and I chastise myself for doing that. And anyway, n- nothing came of it, so that's okay. But, but no, normally I would just um, say, look, here, here, here's a thought. Okay. What's the most expensive thing you own that's not your home? And what's it worth? My wine cellar. <laughs> right. I don't know. I've got, I don't know, 3,000 bottles of wine. Some God. of which are 600, 700 pounds a bottle. Brilliant. So, <laughs> that's a great answer. Okay. Okay. And, and I, I pretty much, I, I can guess the answer to the next question. How much do you earn? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> not enough right <laughs> when do you plan to retire and make room for one of the Leah delegates <laughs> well hopefully it's the youngest Leah delegate that's like 21 years old or something um, I, I have gosh I've got two young boys now I've got um, a boy of four and a boy of six and, a, and an elder daughter so uh, and in private education so oh my god I think it's going to be a case of somebody uh, retiring me rather than me retiring <laughs> going to have to carry you out of an ocean <laughs> yes yes uh, brilliant Jeremy that's been fantastic thank you so much great been to very speak to you after generous that. with your time and, and awesome advice and, and, and great answers thank you so much great so I look forward to seeing you in, in October So anyone who has an anecdote that includes Las Vegas, red wine for breakfast, and a nurse is having a pretty good career. And if you enjoyed this chat, please rate it, and please share it, and please review it. Don't Judge Me is an eardrum production for the London International Awards, with help from Jesse Williams, Kate Wiley, Paul Taylor, and David MacDonald. I'm Ralph Van Dyke, and I hope you'll join me in judgment next time.